Hey everyone, Brian here. A uh, quick note before this episode, this was a weird episode for us because um, when we first released it, we had edited it incorrectly and the tracks were off. So since we record our tracks individually, Andres and I, the tracks were unsynced in a way that my audio was coming through two or three seconds early and that was having me cut Andres off repeatedly whenever he would say something because um, my track would be spliced in too early and would come like... Uh, rather than waiting for Andres to finish his sentence, I would start speaking as Andres was finishing his sentence, which made, which made the whole episode feel kind of rushed and also created a lot of like friction between our voices. So Andres has gone back in and spent a lot of time and effort getting all of that synced in correctly. It was a few things that happened during the recording that, um, that kind of messed things up to begin with. So big props to Andres for going in and fixing that. Uh, and big props to all our listeners for pointing that problem out. So I don't know if we 100% fixed all of the sync issues. So if there's still some weird interruptions and we sound off, that might be why. So enjoy the show. Everything should be uh, back to normal next week. And thank you for listening. You're listening to a Whales or Whales production. You're also listening to Whales. Visit whalesorwhales.com for more projects and shows like this one. Greetings. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hearthaholic set review for League of Explorers class cards. Last week, we released both our uh, episode on card evaluation in general and also our first League of Explorers um, review, which is for the neutral cards. And now we're back to talk about the class cards. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me today is Andres. Hello, Andres. Hey, Brian. So before we jumped into the uh, class review... We've had a week since, um, since, uh, the last episode to kind of let some of the cards that came out in the first wing play and even play a little bit with the cards that came out in the second wing. Um, I think that, right. uh, we can probably do more revisiting on the expansion once it's all over. We might see about doing like a whole kind of a flashback review show of everything that came out. Wrap it all kind of yeah, episode. Once yeah. every wing is out and kind of say what were the big hitters from this. But I, I was curious to talk about specifically. In this last week, Reno Jackson was like the card that came out from the last one. Jesus Christ, J- Reno Jackson. <laughs> I, I was very wrong about Reno Jackson in that I fell on the side of the fence that I thought that his uh, it was asking too much to be viable in most decks. Um, mm-hmm. I was it, it was interesting. If you listen to our card evaluation episode, I said those cards that are always interesting are the ones that have game swinging effects, stuff like Grim Patron, stuff like Mysterious Challenger, or stuff like Aviana, and figuring out like, can that realistically be met? And that often will mean they see no play, see Aviana, or mm-hmm. they see tons of play, see Mysterious Challenger and um and Grim Patron. So it sounds like Reno Jackson right now is falling on the side where he's seeing a ton of play. What do you think about that so far, like in the types of decks he is? He is seeing a ton of play. Um the the thing that is happening right now is that the collection of cards or the pool of cards I think is mm-hmm. big enough to where you can create decks that have a lot of one-ups right. and just a couple of two-ofs that maybe you're prone to draw early or that it's easy for you to get. And the conditions to play Reno are not that 
Not that strange. And I've even seen decks with just one-offs that play Reno and kind of keep it on curve and just, just right. play it against Aggro. And at that point, it's just like, hey, I'm sorry for you, but I, I win. <laughs> That's a good point. And something that I didn't consider much when first seeing the card, since I'm not a freeze match player, is the idea of decks that don't need to change their deck list, but just play Reno late enough in the game that they're down to one mm-hmm. card of anything anyway, and how viable that's proving for certain decks. Absolutely. We saw uh, Super JJ take all of Seed Story uh-huh. Cup all of Seed Story Cup using a freeze mage with Reno Jackson, and he did modify the list a little bit. Like he only runs one fireball, but he uses like substitutes, for example, Flame Torch. So it's yeah. one Flame Torch and one Fireball that kind of gives you the same effect. Yeah. You know what I mean? So is that idea of you can use cards that have similar effects, just slightly different, and are around the same mana right. cost. And they synergize like really well with Reno. And then, yeah, Index like Freeze Mage, which are already trying to stall and are already very effective at stalling and drawing most of their decks. That's the game plan of that deck. Reno Jackson just seems to fit in perfectly. What I think is also really cool about Reno Jackson is that he is, his card text and ability is um, motivating players who see that to start saying, huh, maybe I should start keeping track of exactly what I've played and exactly what is left in my deck. Which is a skill Absolutely. that Hearthstone currently doesn't teach you in any expansion or any tutorial or anything. So having a card's ability kind of push people towards that direction of play is really cool to me. Yeah, Reno is a really interesting card. Uh, very, very cool design. I, I'm i in love <laughs> with this card. And it's also making the metagame change wildly because it's such an anti-aggro yeah. card that decks that never... Th- were possible before are yeah, possible like, now. Like he'll before him, he's buying time to play those kind of decks you never could before. I wonder if he could be in some sort of exactly. you know crazy ramp druid that only runs like one of tons of different threats in Aviana and like and Jackson then Aviana. I, you could, yeah, you could, especially with Tree <laughs> of Life and stuff. Like you could keep yourself yeah. alive for a very long time, which could be really interesting. Like starting to see cards like Reno. And yeah. what you can do with it, and with brawn, like being able to cast double heal bot, things like that, you can start seeing how uh, a deck with at least Star Seeker might seem a yeah. little more feasible. Maybe I'll be proven wrong on that one as well. I'm still like, but hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's exciting. It's exciting. But yeah, I've seen some crazy decks. Like this week, I've seen a crazy like control right. dragon shaman that was actually really effective. Was playing the What's the name of that new card? The three mana deal five to six damage to everything wait, or four to five damage. That's not a shaman card, is it? Are you wait? Are you talking excavated evil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And it overloads oh, you for five. Okay. Oh, elemental destruction. Yes. Elemental destruction. Yeah, they run like two of those and heal bots and the Sarah and basically they just try to stall you for a very long time and then play a right. bunch of dragons. It's it yeah. was not a bad deck and. They run Reno Jackson in it. Yeah, to keep they're pushing the game even more in a control direction. Uh, you had your aggro card of the, the mm-hmm. set, which was, or of the wing, which seemed to be the ancient shade, and then Reno Jackson. It seems like Reno Jackson came on top of that uh, that particular fight. We'll see. Um, that's cool. So do you think he's going to stay around? Because obviously we're seeing a lot of them right now, because how could people not experiment with that effect? But do you think people are going to look at these decks and say, eh, I prefer... Because I've already seen some comments like looking at the kind of deck lists people are making for Freeze Mage and saying, this is cool, but the other Freeze Mage deck list is actually still better. 
Um, and we're going to go back to that. So do you think that's going to happen as the enthusiasm fades, or do you think he's going to be a mainstay? I think the hype is definitely yeah. very high right now, and people are trying Reno and everything. Reno's a cool card because it fits in so many different decks. Mm-hmm. You can fit it in, in a right. wide variety of things, and he he's great because of that, very versatile. Remains to be seen what decks are going to make the best use out of him. It's, I think it's going to be a card kind of mm-hmm. like Thorson, right? Where in certain decks is going to be a cornerstone of the deck in other decks you you just don't don't need reno and what you're trying to do might be more efficient to right. just not have yeah. reno in the i'm deck. i'm definitely curious to see where it goes as someone who's not even been able to play a game with him i'm still neutral on the topic but i've been fascinated to see how many decks he's making it in right now and it also <laughs> makes me excited because i love decks like uh handlock and freeze mage uh, and I love those types of decks being out there. So the more stuff that's pushing people to play stuff outside of, you know, tempo and aggro is, is going to be really fun to see. So, yeah, I was playing some friendly games today with, uh, mm-hmm. with a dubious. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and he was playing a rogue yeah, with okay. Reno Jackson. And it's, it, it seems like Reno Jackson is really sweet and rogue because you naturally lose yeah, a lot of health and, and all that. And, yeah, and with Reno, you can be a little more liberal about how much health you lose because then you just top yourself off. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a powerful effect and that goes back to, like, you, you people need to experiment with this card as much as possible because healing yourself to full for six mana is insane and also getting a 4-6 out of it is completely crazy. So, like, if people can find a way to satisfy those conditions, he's going to be an incredible card. So, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, All absolutely. right, well, let's jump into the class cards of the set. Some of these are out now. Most of them aren't. Uh and yeah, when we come across cards we've had a chance to play with, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, let's start out with Druid cards. Um, we have Raven Idol as our first card. It is a one-cost spell, common rarity, and it reads, choose one, discover a minion, or discover a spell. It's very much staying in the Druid style of things, which is giving you a choice. But not only mm-hmm. this, but it's giving you a choice and then giving you another choice. Um, this is like the Ultra Druid card. Um, so what do you think about this card, Andres? <laughs> At first, this card seemed... I always like the mm-hmm. idea of having versatility and being able to choose. This card both grants you the ability yes. to choose a spell or a minion, which can be very useful in certain situations. And before we knew how Discover worked exactly, yeah. this card was okay-ish. But now that we know how Discover works and that it prefers class cards... um, Being able to get some of the Druid spells might be very, very useful, you know, to get a swipe on demand... Or to get a creature early on, I think, um, especially in the right type of deck, you could squeeze in one right. of this card or two of this card just as a, a utility or a Yeah, tool. it was very much the same way. When I first saw it, and uh, we, yeah, we should explain that uh, that change that actually came out since our last episode, I believe, on Twitter from Min Broad, which is that Discover mechanic isn't just mm-hmm. equal chance between all neutral cards and your classes, uh, your class cards, but it's it weighs each class card is four times more likely to get picked. Now, granted, there are still more neutrals than there are class cards, but that gives the class cards a way bigger weight overall in being picked than they had before. Um, so you're probably like more than likely going to see a majority of class cards in the uh, in the selection option there, which is big because class cards are A, more fitted to your class index you're playing, and B, typically a lot better than neutral cards. So, I'm very interested to try out Raven Idol because, yeah, it's like... Uh... 
it's a spell card, so I mm-hmm. feel like it doesn't fit the regular type of druid that we have right now, right. the aggro style, because that druid already has a very like set curve and a very specific kind of cards that is wanting to play. Mm-hmm. This definitely looks into a different kind of druid. Um, I remember some people would experiment with like the violet teacher kind of style of druid, right. or life coach had that auctioneer with a bunch of spells kind of thing. Uh, or even like a gas low. I don't know. I think there's yeah uh, token druid is options. a great point. I mean, another problem is if you're not playing aggro druid, druid typically doesn't have a great one drop. If you can like um, if you can you know coin into one of the two drops, it's fantastic. But another difficulty druid has is sometimes its opening can be really rough if you don't get one of those few cards it really needs. Um, you know, like the the wild growth or the um the Nernos's aspirant. So the idea of being able on turn one where you often, if you're going first, don't have something to do anyway, and then be able to kind of search for something that can make your curve work out, or say you do have an innervate, being able to get a creature that's really powerful. Like often Druid's opening hand will determine a lot how they want to play the rest of their game. And being able to have some control over responding to that opening hand on a turn you aren't doing much anyway could be really powerful. So Yeah, absolutely. And the one mana is easily to squeeze anywhere, right? Right. Um throughout the game and you might be able to get that third swipe or just get a swipe when you need yeah. it you might be able to get a druid of the claw you might be able to get an ancient of mm-hmm. lore ancient of war yeah um, druid just has fantastic class cards so there's a lot of potential here mm-hmm. so yeah i would i would probably give that card a c i think we we can we, we could see it in places but i don't think it's going to be anything you know uh necessary for a given deck what do you think i definitely want to try try with it I'll, I'll give it a c as well yeah Next up, we have Mounted Raptor. This is a three-cost minion, common rarity. Um, three attack, two health. It is a beast type, and it reads Death Rattle, Summon a Random One-Cost Minion. Um, the Raptor. So, so it's kind of like another tool for the beast druid that they're trying to yeah. trying to incorporate into the game, it seems like. I'm not super excited about it. It seems like a Harvest Golem. Uh, like a uh, vice versa instead right. of like a 2-3 that spawns a 2-1 it's a 3-2 that spawns a random 1 cost that could be comparable to a 2-1 that the harvest golem sometimes it could be a little worse sometimes yeah. it could be a little better you could get zombie chow out of this which might be nice if you're trying to compete for the board uh, overall though I think is rather weak we already don't see harvest golem getting played very yeah. much um, just because it says beast on it it might be interesting for the druid synergy but yeah to be honest i I don't see it very being very competitive i would give it a d yeah the harvest golem comparison is really good i mean the other thing it is is it's the three drop piloted treader because you have piloted treader as a four drop that drops you know a two drop you have it as a six drop that drops a four drop uh or the different treaders you have the legendary one and now you basically have one at three that drops a one drop which you know fits the curve pretty well but I just don't mm-hmm. think it's as valuable as like a pirated a piloted shredder on turn four. Just two drops are so much better than one drops in Hearthstone. Um mm-hmm. that yeah, I think the comparison with the uh the golem is a really good one. And given precedence, like I don't think there's enough of that unless there's a really strong beast druid archetype that just needed that three drop. But even then they had that pretty good um druid of the flame they could already play on three. Um so I don't see this card coming in and changing the fortunes of that deck. Um, yeah, it's definitely making the archetype more playable. Mm-hmm. There's definitely more beasts to be played in Druid, and it makes it so that maybe you could make a beast kind of Druid. I don't see it being 
better than the Druid that it is right now. That's the only reason why I'm getting rid of D. Exactly. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, continuing the Beast Druid, we've got the Jungle Moonkin, a four-cost minion, uh, four attack, four health, rare rarity, and it reads, both players have spell damage plus two and is a beast type. Um, so this is the first time that spell damage is a global effect where you can play a card and it gives spell damage equally to both mm-hmm. players. That's really interesting to me. Um, obviously, plus two damage is amazing for stuff like swipe. If you can, you know, play this guy and play swipe the next turn. My, oh yeah. My difficulty with this card is, first of all, if we compare it to Ogre Magi, it's very similar. Uh, four cost for four, four with spell damage. The difference is, is it a beast type? This is two spell damage, which is a big buff, but it also gives it to your opponent. My other problem is, unless there's some really good combo, like a turn eight swipe, you're giving your opponent initiative on the spell power, typically. And unless you're playing a bunch of Moonfires or something, and that's that's pretty dangerous. Yeah, um, to be honest, my first initial thought with this Moonkin was Moonfire, yeah. kind of like the flavor with it, and being a zero-cost spell that deals three damage. Right. That could be really good, and it could be a really good tempo play. Um, it makes me think of, like I talked about before with a Raven Idol, a different style of Druid, yeah. one that might be more spell-focused. And you're right, this thing with Swipe or Starfall would be devastating, right? right? Um, There's a lot of potential power behind it. I mean, one difficulty, though, is dropping it on turn... If you do drop it on turn four, that's going into a whole lot of AoE effects from your opponent, um, which often land on turn four or five, and spell damage on those is devastating. Um, Yeah, you're right. This card also, the liability changes from match to match, right? Against certain classes, the giving your opponent spell power will not matter. Against other classes, it can be very, very bad for you. It'll be meta-dependent, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah, for sure, meta-dependent. This card is really interesting, though. That spell power plus two is really, really powerful. And then you, if you combine it with other cards like Thalnos or Asher Drakes, um, I think you can start having like a nice, nice spell synergy-based druid with uh, maybe the Raven Idols. Maybe yeah. you you can still ramp up in mana with like Darnassus Aspirants and stuff. So you like turn eight swipe plus jungle moon king is not like unfeasible that is true i just wonder if i don't think druid has a lot of ways to win with spells right now so they i don't see like spells being their win condition and thus having something that just kind of buffs their spells it's not like buffing your spells as mage um i feel especially with how much freeze mage there is out there right now you, you might not be wanting to run something that just makes the removal even more potent so I think I, I don't see there really being a place for this card right now, but I think that the power has potential. It's just really hard to take advantage of the tempo mm-hmm. of it without giving your opponent equal or better results going forward. Yeah, like we said, like we talked about in the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. though, I feel like with new cards like Reno Jackson being introduced, yeah. we can we will start seeing a little more creative decks and right. um, maybe a little more offbeat druid, like with more combo esque kind of things, and yeah. Moon Kings and Moonfires. Yeah. Uh, could be a thing. Yeah, I think it's a really cool card. Um, I like its design. I'm not positive we're going to see it around. So currently I'm going to give it like between a C and a D, falling on a D just because of what's currently out there right now and thinking about Druid spells. I'll give it a, I'll give it a C. But I yeah. think it's playable. Yeah, I do think I do think it could fit in some decks. So, I, so I, might, I might lean towards a C as well. I'm right on the fence there. All right, we got another card. It, we're moving into Hunter cards now, though. There is Dark Tramp, which is a two-cost common rarity spell. And it reads, Secret, when an oppo- uh, opposing hero power is used, deal five damage to a random enemy. Um, 
So what's in this trap yeah. is really hard to gauge because we right. we haven't had a trap before that triggers with a hero power. Yeah. Uh, first time that this happens, and I was playing the adventure today, and this trap triggered on me, and it took me completely by surprise. Right. Because I was not expecting it to trigger after I just clicked on my hero power. Right. And giving it another trap to hunters plus all the other ones that they already play, they always, like it's mm-hmm. already common for them to play. Bear trap, freezing trap, explosive trap, snake trap, and now you're giving one more. I feel like it's getting harder and harder to for your opponent to f- finally gauge what you're playing. Yeah, that's true. And if you if you deploy this on the right turn, it can be pretty powerful. And I don't think it triggers if your opponent has nothing on the board, right? Oh, I guess it does because it just hits your. Yeah, enemy, that's an interesting be, thing about it, which can be really powerful too. And as we know, a lot of a lot of decks already use their hero power to keep hunters at bay. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Is that especially if you're playing something like um, uh, base hunter or something that relies on a lot of one health minions between uh, Wolf Rider and Lepronome and that sort of thing, having this trap come out of a Mad Scientist. Um, where your opponent is now like, eh, I'll just, you know, weapon up or I'll, you know, druid hero power or I'll mage hero power and remove your, um, your, mm-hmm. your one attack creature there. They might be removing a really powerful creature they have or taking five damage to the face. Um, yeah, absolutely. And potent. in places, in places, in matchups, let's say where explosive trap falls a little short, but you still want a damage trap, this mm-hmm. might be really interesting. Especially against control matchups where Explosive Trap is almost useless. This card is a very offensive trap that works a little better in that kind of matchup. Yeah, I mean, that's the nice thing about Secrets is um, you can pretty much count on them being free mana-wise. Like, there's that potential for them with Mad Scientists, so their effects... Mm -hmm can get you a big tempo swing. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if like it's a board development race and you, you get something out. Locking down your opponent's hero power on certain turns can be huge. And then having that, that swing on t- as early as turn three, getting like, you know, a free ultra-powered flame cannon can be pretty huge. And in the right yeah. hunter deck, you're not really disappointed about it going face because five, five free damage to face, which right now the most you can get out of a secret to face, um, unless you get like a crazy misdirection, is going to be... Um, is going to be like, you know, two from an explosive trap or maybe an attack mm-hmm. from a bear. So being able to get five damage right out of your mad scientist is crazy for face hunter. So, you know. Yeah. I think it has I think this trap I think this trap is pretty decent. I'll give it a C. Yeah. I think it's playable. I'm right there as well. Uh, I think it's not going to be absolutely in every deck, but yep. um, I think it will surprise a couple people and might get some wins speaking, because of it. Speaking of things that are not going to be in absolutely every deck, we have Desert Camel, uh, a three cost, two attack, four health, common rarity beast card, and it reads Battlecry, put a one car, uh, one cost minion from each deck into the battlefield. We have another one of those mirrored effects. The really interesting mm-hmm. thing considering this effect is there are ways that it will not trigger uh, symmetrically, like it's possible your opponent might not have any one-cost creatures left, and it's possible you don't have any left. So, like, when you pull this mm-hmm. out, is really important. I think... I I don't know. I really like this card. Okay. I think this is the type of card that I was kind of looking for on that lock-and-load hunter mm-hmm. that we were playing. Because imagine if you can play a hunter that is a little more board-centric, right? Okay. With things like the Explorer's Hat, that is also a spell that can trigger lock-and-load and then you can play zombie childs in it because you're not trying to rush down your opponent. Or you can play um, like valuable one drops like uh, Web Spinner. 
and you play this guy, you're guaranteed to get this guy and a zombie chow, or maybe the web spinner, or whatever one drop you choose to put in there. Mm-hmm. And if your opponent is not playing any, then you're ahead in tempo. If your opponent is playing some one drops, there's ways to mitigate that, right? You can either equip a weapon like Lave Suka or something before you drop this guy down. Um, or you can already have your zombie child in play, and when you play this guy, you get your second zombie child plus another guy. I I don't know. I think I like this guy. I definitely want to experiment with it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be game-breaking, but I think it would find its place. And it's also a beast, so for a beast hunter, it can also be pretty useful. The stats are not terribly are not horrible, and if you're getting a valuable one-drop, this is already kind of... Even if you get a 1-1, one, one, you're basically getting... Three five worth of stats for three. Yeah, that's true, but you know you have to compensate for what your opponent's getting out of it um, from those same stats. It, it is really dependent on what type of deck you put it in. I mean, it's pretty darn dangerous to put it like in against um, in an aggressive deck because you might be pulling out like zombie chows from your opponent, um, which is really bad against control because it's giving them a way to control their deck that they may not have drawn, and it's also thinning their deck so they don't draw that zombie game late game when they prefer something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can really be giving your opponent a a pretty big advantage. So it is, again, one of those super meta-dependent decks. It's like, what are other decks running? What sorts of one-cost or one cost cards are they running? And that's going to determine when you're going to be running uh, Desert Camel. Yeah. So I, I, Yeah, you're right. This is not a card for an aggressive deck, but if you think about it, mm-hmm. even if you were just running Web Spinner, right. if you get turn one Web Spinner, and then you play this guy on turn... Uh, two or turn three mm-hmm. and you get another web spinner and you get a free free beast card from that web spinner right. that's kind of like drawing cards basically mm-hmm. by playing minions on the board and paying three mana for three five worth of stats plus a extra card an extra beast into your hand i think that's a decent enough effect i would i would definitely think this guy is not as weak as people seem to think it is. Oh, yeah, I agree with you there. I think there is potential for it. 2-4 is not terrible for 3. It's not quite on what you want, but I think given that you have control over how your deck's going to be running it and no other decks are going to be, or uh, no other decks are going to be building themselves around Desert Camel, you have a lot of scenarios where you're going to, you could engineer your deck to get you more value out of this than your opponent would. Um, yeah, you can even run like boars to guarantee one damage <laughs> out of them or something. Yeah. I don't know if that would be good, it, but like it's stuff like that. Like you can, you can, you if you know what you're gonna draw out of it. Like even run abusive sergeant and you play yeah. this guy coin abusive sergeant to the boar and you have a three damage clear. Though be careful about running abusive sergeant with it because that's not a good card to pull out of it because you don't get the battle cry effect. Um, oh, you're right. So that's yeah, something you're to right. really consider. Um, which is about the point I was about to make with the Beast of Sergeant as the example, um, which is, yeah, you just be really careful. You have to think about how you're building this deck around. But if mm-hmm. you're thinking about Absolutely. that and other decks aren't, there is a plus, like, if it is more of a mid rangey deck and you want to, you know, survive, you can pull out, you know, a zombie chow from other mid range decks and get free healing. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. If you have your weapon, especially like with Hunter, if you like coined out your weapon into this thing, you could immediately remove their three drop. So, yeah, or their uh, one drop they get from it. So, some cool stuff there. I, I'm with you. I'd see, I think maybe I was on a D when I started in that, but I think that discussion had me push it to a C. What about you? I, I give it a C, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a C so far. These cards are, so far, nothing super overwhelming with class cards. Now we have something, um, one might call it overwhelming, if one really liked Lock and Load, which is Explorer's Hat. This is a two-cost <laughs> spell, rare rarity. It's given minion, plus one, plus one, and death rattle, add an Explorer's Hat to your hand. Um, so... 
This is something we actually disagreed on quite a bit. We had this as our example card in the um, card evaluation episode we did. So, Andres, make the case for Explorer's Hat if you still think, you know, if you're still on its uh, on its side. So, here's my opinion on Explorer's Hat. Yeah. I love the idea of Explorer's Hat. Right. I like that it's a hunter, specifically mm-hmm. out of all the classes. Yes. Um, I think it definitely gives Hunter another a fresh view at a different type of deck. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we did discuss the effect of the card, and I think just because of the power of the card, yeah. it goes into a very narrow type of deck. Right. And if that type of deck is going to be successful yet, we don't know. We haven't seen it happen, yeah. but there's so many craziness with uh, Reno Jackson and stuff going on that right. it, it could it could be... Um, for now, I'm going to give it a D just because of the yeah. narrow type of deck that it can fit into. And then because the effect of it is not super powerful, although in the long run, this card can be very helpful. Yeah. I, I But it by itself, it is not the effect is not powerful. Um, dang it. There goes our chance to disagree strongly. I would also give it a D. Um, I wanted to give it an F <laughs> for fun. Um after fun, that's funny. Uh, but there is a use case for it. it. It isn't that useless. It does like it reminds me of Dreadsteed and that it has the potential to be an aggregate small effect that you can use repeatedly, which is very powerful in theory. Like Dreadsteed, I think it's going to be a, have a very hard time finding play just because Hearthstone right now is a difficult game to justify mana cost. It's another reason Inspire isn't very popular is because in Hearthstone, you want to be typically at least right now, using your mana extremely efficiently and getting tempo with it and getting um, very solid uh, effects with it and spending two mana for plus one, plus one, just like spending two mana for a hero power um, can be very difficult to to fit in with a lot of decks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but obviously the deck we're talking about where it could work is going to be the lock and load deck, um, <laughs> if that's ever going to exist. Like, Hopefully. I would love it. I'd love that deck to exist. <clears throat> so, yeah, that'll be the lock and load deck. Um, that hasn't seen play yet. I really hope it does. What about a lock and load summoning stone deck? Like now you're talking. Yeah, just a one of <laughs> summoning stone. It could you be. could make the summoning stone a one seven. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's hunter for you. I think hunter. Um, I don't think they got anything crazy out of that, but I think between desert camel and dark trap that they have. I love that. They, new yeah, I love that they got cards that make you think in hunter in different ways. Yeah, it's not just like, um, you know, here's more ag- aggressive things to do with Hunter. It's, <laughs> here's another one drop that does automatic damage to your opponent. And For sure. Enjoy. Uh, now we've got Mage. Uh, the first Mage card is Forgotten Torch. This is a card that is already out, so it's going to have a different kind of conversation about it. It is a three-cost spell, common rarity, and it reads, deal three damage, shuffle a Roaring Torch into your deck that deals six damage. Um, yeah. So this this card right now is seeing a lot of play in Freeze Mage, um, specifically because uh, the the tempo loss of dealing three damage with three, which isn't you know great for Mage, isn't so bad for Freeze Mage, and it's also um, you know it's putting more damage and also um, thickening your deck. So like if you're in a control matchup, you know there's that there's that additional buffer to the um, the fatigue. Yeah, for sure. I think that this card in that sort of mage, a mage that is playing the long game, is mm-hmm. pretty fantastic because it allows you to control the board early to right. uh, get rid of early minions and then puts uh, more damage towards in the later game. Right. I, I'm a fan of this card. I'm I'm actually going to give it a, a B. I think 
Yeah. Especially in this new meta where there's a lot of control and Reno Jackson is a thing and Mage just has so many options. This card seems to fit really well into a lot of those decks, even as a one-off. I totally agree with you on that. Um, I am not a freeze mage player, as I said before. So when I was first looking at this game, or this card, I was thinking of it in uh, Tempo Mage. Uh, and I was like, eh, see, you know, it, it might work in that. It's got some, it's got some, uh, potential. But once I started hearing about the freeze mage potential for it, I was like, oh yeah, that makes way more sense. And it's also really powerful because what I like about it is it has very relevant effects on both sides of it. Um, yeah. when you're playing it early on as freeze mage, you don't care that much about your mana. You're often not playing all your mana anyway in a lot of turns and it's using a threat removal, which is what you want to be doing early on with freeze mage. Mm-hmm. Late game, it's cheap burn damage and having a fireball for one less mana is huge for like you know in game turns on freeze mage where you want to push out the like the possible damage freeze mage can do in one turn just went up with forgotten torch because they can shave off that one more mana with this uh Mm -hmm. additionally that's you don't want to be thickening your deck with just random cards in freeze mage because you do want to draw into your combo but this the card that this deck creates that three mana six damage card very relevant is part of the combo that you're trying to build into Mm -hmm. so yeah it it, it's really cool in that deck so another thing to keep in mind about this card is that unlike fireball when you draw fireball early on and you're forced to use it as a removal it kind of it hurts you a little bit you're like (laughs) oh man i just use a big chunk of my burn on one of their creatures while on the other hand using this card early on is it doesn't pain you that much you're like oh yeah i can just use the three damage get rid of this guy and you're good because you know that later on you still have the, the chance of drawing into that um reduced mana fireball exactly i i really like the idea of cards this is, this is similar to an effect that magic had for a while which is like flashback of being able to cast your cards again later in the game i like the idea of hearthstone introducing these new types of mechanics and one that makes this card like you said relevant at the beginning when you draw it and then relevant later in the game as well yeah the last thing i want to say about this card is that it's a great example of one of those substitute cards that i was talking about um if you're running reno jackson for example in your mage you can run one fireball and one forgotten torch because they both do the same kind of effect right yeah um but they don't repeat each other so it's great for reno i think it's so cool that hearthstone has a mechanic where anytime a card can possibly let you go to one ofs there's like a reason to do it now like before just for fun to have those types of decks but now it's this whole thing to think of like well this can potentially replace this so you know it's a reno card like how much are we going to be saying that (laughs) (laughs) all right all right another mage card i'm actually really excited about is ethereal conjurer this is a five cost minion uh common rarity six attack and three health and it reads battle cry discover a spell um so six and three, not amazing stats for five, just because of how easily removed it is. Um, but then you see it on stuff like Just a Car, which is even, you know, uh, Just a Car True Heart, which replaces your hero power. And that's a six mana card. And it's still, that body often does work when you put it down with a uh, True Heart. So, you know, you're, you're still making your opponent like, uh, either have to use some spells or trade. And then on top of that, you're getting to, to discover a spell. Um, which can be pretty huge for for certain yeah. like tempo mage and that sort of thing. What do you think, Andres? I thought I thought I thought a lot about this card. Yeah, and I play with it slightly today. Just for okay. did it for, just come out of this wing? It, yeah, it came out of this wing. Gotcha. And I have really mixed feelings about this. I think the mm-hmm. discover a spell can be quite powerful. You could get like right. fireball, flame strike, blizzard. 
uh, a ton of really powerful sp spells from Mage. You can also get things that are not that exciting, right? You can get mm -hmm. like Ice Barrier and right. First Nova, which might be useful in a certain situation, but it might not be completely relevant. And then you yeah. spend five mana on a 6-3 that is probably going to be really easy for your opponent to remove. So the only time I would think anyone would play this card would be in a very long-term kind of mage, kind of like a grinder yeah, mage. that's what that I was thinking too. Wants to create like virtual card advantage without drawing into its deck. So you can... Mm -hmm. Uh, make the game last for as long as possible. You would be able to get more secrets out of it. Uh, with the Scarabs, for example, I was already toying around with a deck that was playing uh, duplicates and a bunch of cards mm. that would keep you alive. And with yeah. the Scarabs, you had a big chance of drawing to more duplicates or effigies. And, ice block, yeah. Yeah, and ice blocks with things like uh, Echo of Mediv. You can even yeah. get more of that. So this is another card that kind of plays in that same vein. Also, you don't have to run two of them. You can just run one, again, making it good for Reno Jackson, which would be good in that sort of deck. That's a good point. Um, and typically, the other thing to go into five slot for mages is Azure Drake, which has a very similar effect. You're dropping them five, you're getting underwhelming stats, but you're drawing a card. Um, that additionally, of course, has the spell damage. But this seems like, I mean, I could see testing this as a replacement for one Azure Drake, even in a Tempo Mage, just because having a choice of what spell you want and guaranteeing you're going to draw a spell in Tempo Mage is pretty powerful. Uh, or in Mage in general, just because it's such a spell-dependent class. Yeah, I guess it's only one less health than Azure Drake, and it is yeah. two, it is two, two more damage. More. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a D for now, but okay. I, can, I, can, I can see the possibility of this card. Being a little better, but yeah. I, I just don't see it now because the liability of losing the tempo and then getting a spell that is not relevant for the situation might be might right. be too much. I'm going to give it a C because, like I said, I think we've seen Azure Drake proven. That's almost equal tempo loss on five, and it's proven to be a very good card. Again, the spell damage it maybe would push it over the edge, but I think being able to choose what you want to draw into on a deck based on around, you know, tempo and being able to do things at the right time and comboing cards i can see a lot of potential not only in tempo mage but like that grinder mage might come back so i'll probably give it a c uh i really like ethereal conjurer i just think card draw is strong and this is a pretty good way of giving that so yeah, cool well we'll agree to disagree on this one yeah or uh you know you can play um what is it brand and get two discover spells oh there there you go that could yeah. be pretty pretty cool i wonder how that would work you just get one of them immediately the other i imagine that i imagine that's how it worked all right, next we got Animated Armor. This is a four-cost minion, four attack, and four health, and reads, your hero can only take one damage at a time. Andres, explain this card to me. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> like, is this just ta taunt against spells and hero powers? Like, because Sinjin is basically the same? I think so. I think pretty much this is a way to... You could keep yourself alive from, yeah. let's say, like a freeze mage, right? Um, let's say you manage to get a freeze mage really, really low, and you know that right. he has exact damage in his hand, and no matter how many taunts you put on board, it doesn't matter because he's just gonna mm -hmm. kill you. This would make him spend at least a fireball or like a frost bolt and or ping. a flame strike, yeah, yeah, or a flame strike just to get rid of this so he can damage your hero, buying you an extra turn. Yeah. So I think it, I think it's interesting. To say the least. I think it's one of those to me it reminds me of like um uh what's it what's it called the four three that s s steals a secret um reminding the name of it 
The Kazan Mystic? Kazan Mystic, thank you. It, it seems like a very hard counter of a card that typically like playing this on four is not going to help you unless you have a very specific thing you're wanting to do. I mean, it's an okay taunt card. You can, I mean, that's okay, but mage has never been one to play heavy into taunt cards. Yeah. Uh, except maybe, you know, that grinder mage. And then it doesn't even protect your other minions, which mage is often wanting to do. So I feel like it, it would be a very specific counter to a very specific meta. But that said, if it is a freeze mage counter, this is becoming a freeze mage meta. So maybe Blizzard thought of everything. Well, I don't think it's only against freeze mage, though. Yeah. You can still drop this in against turn four against like an aggressive deck. Because yeah. suddenly if your opponent has, you know, a bunch of minions that he's ready to deal damage to your hero. But you're only taking one each um, oh no no no! I meant like it acts as a normal taunt card in those kind of cases. I guess, yeah, I guess so. We just get a yeah. normal taunt card. Yeah, exactly. So like at that point, you know, run a shield master. Just next, run a sludge belcher. This isn't that different, but it's got some. I don't. I don't know. This again. This card confuses me so much. Like I'm not quite sure why they made it. I really want to try it out in some in some decks to see how it yeah. plays out. Again, as a one off, it might work in in some decks to mm-hmm. buy you an extra turn or. It might introduce a weird dynamic because it's not necessarily a taunt, so your yeah. opponent can still choose not to remove it. Yeah. Um. I mean, to me, it's a cross between Bull Ram Shield and Sengen Shield Master, and it's like you know, it's your four drop taunt, but it has that ability that's like they can't do any like any damage to your heroes, kind of being stopped by this thing, so they have to deal with it. Such um, an interesting effect. I love all these cards yeah. that are being introduced in this expansion because yeah, they're being super creative. Yeah, very very creative effects. So, yeah, I don't see too much potential in this card. I'd probably give it a D right now just because I, I don't think it fits mage archetypes too well right now. But I'm putting that conditionally if it turns out to be a really good freeze mage counter. Um, there are a lot of freeze mages out there. There <laughs> and are. freeze mages would want a way to beat other freeze mages. And if this can be that card that they can, one more card to stall the game out one more turn can be huge for freeze mage. Um, but I don't play nearly enough freeze mage to know whether this is actually effective at doing that. So that's where I'm kind of putting my conditional, uh, conditional grade. What about you, Andres? Yeah, I guess I'll give it a D2 because I don't see a specific deck that it would yeah. find a home, like a permanent home in, but yeah, it's definitely an interesting effect and it can grab you by surprise and yeah. the element of his price can be, can be quite good in Hearthstone sometimes. Maybe that grinding mage, uh. Run one of. Good for Reno Jackson. <laughs> Run one of these in the grinder mage and you know, get something done. All right. We got Paladin now. First is a Paladin Secret. We know Paladin Secrets are always great. Um, so, okay. Just imagine, before I read what this card is, imagine the, the Blizzard saying, hey, we're making a new secret for Paladin. I mean, think of the, the pressure that's on them to not design this wrong. <laughs> if they like create an overpowered secret, they're going to further break their own game. Yeah, um, so, I don't think there's an overpowered secret, no, though. I don't I think, either. I think it's in line. Yes, um, so the Sacred Trial, it is a common rarity spell, and it reads, Secret, when your opponent has at least three minions and plays another, destroy it. So go ahead, Andres. So, to be completely honest, I haven't seen this secret in in me neither in action at all wait i have once i think it was in the one of the dungeons i believe oh yeah i think it's one of the adventures yes um maybe in the secret paladin maybe running one of these yes it's already hard to tell exactly all the secrets that they have especially when they have the tree of secrets up Mm -hmm. um it might work but the thing about that deck is that it, that deck already puts so much pressure early on that it's hard yeah. to have a board of more than three minions. Yeah. So this secret, 
although it can be good, I don't know how many times you're going to meet the conditions. So very interesting um, thing about the secret that I heard actually on the Angry Chicken. They discussed this and came up with a um, an idea about it was what happens if your opponent has one or two minions and they play Dr. Boom? Um, apparently what their chat room was overwhelmingly saying was the case is if Dr. Boom comes down and your opponent already has at least one other minion, what happens is the battle cry triggers first, two boom bots appear, then boom comes down and then is killed by sacred trial. So that would, that would probably be the best case scenario for this yes. card. So that's pretty good in a mirror matchup or something, you know, secret paladin v secret paladin. That's a fairly likely occurrence. Someone plays six mysterious challengers, seven boom and their boom dies. Not bad. Okay. But boom, boom remover. I could see that. So there is potential there. I definitely think it could see a home in Secret Mage. Secret Mage is a, or sorry, Secret Mage, Secret Paladin. Secret Paladin <laughs> is another deck I haven't extensively played myself. So I know there are people who have played that deck to death who probably have a very good idea of which secrets are good in it. For example, I for an I isn't. Um, but I could see this slotting in just for the element of surprise. I think the thing I don't like about it is almost every other secret, if not every other secret has the ability to trigger immediately after the Mysterious Challenger turn. Because you play Mysterious Challenger, Redemption, if your opponent plays any creature, um, or Repentance, I think it is. If your opponent plays any creature, it puts their life down. Another one revives one of your creatures. Another one buffs your creatures. Another one blocks them from attacking. Another one buffs one of your creatures, dies, which will happen when that attacking blocker comes up. But this one is so conditional that it's likely not going to have an effect the turn after you play uh, Mysterious Challenger. That was the thing thing I was going to say, like... There's a small window, especially when the mysterious challenger comes out, where your yes. opponent's trying to decide. And there's always like one or two secrets that you're unsure of. Like you're mm-hmm. you're trying to think, okay, is this a repentance or is this a what, yes. which one is the one that um, reduces your creatures to one health? Uh, that's the theirs or yours. Yours. Uh, where it revives it. Oh, I don't re- redemption. I think redemption. So repentance yes. and redemption, right? Yes. So you're always trying to figure out those, and then maybe right. if you put in sacred trial, um, that's the other one that you may be trying to figure out. But once yeah. your opponent, once your opponent or you figure out that that is a sacred trial, yeah, it's very easy to play around. And typically on the turn after, if you play mysterious challenger and sacred trial comes out. Your opponent can typically, at that point of the game, is focusing on trades because they're like, I need to remove the mysterious challenger you just played and get through all those secrets. So they can typically reduce their board enough that by the time they're playing a creature, they're not falling into sacred trial. However, I think the timing of the Dr. Boom is very interesting with this card because when when mysterious challenger comes out in turn six, that often will be followed up by a turn seven Dr. Boom from your opponent. And if you have a way to make that way worse for them on turn six... That's actually pretty good timing, all things given. Uh, one other note about it, though, is it's a pretty terrible secret to have early on in the game if you have to open but hand. to be completely honest, yeah. usually when your opponent plays a Mysterious Challenger and mm-hmm. passes a turn, you're not necessarily trying to play Dr. Boom. Right. When you're playing Secret Paladin, usually your strategy is to control their board, and yeah. then you should try to have a board wipe or like a Big Game Hunter turn. Yeah. On that's a great on point. turn six once they once they pass right yeah so I don't know I don't yeah. know I I don't think the secret is as powerful I think maybe a one off in secret balance we might see yeah. people trying it out it might catch some people by surprise yeah if this becomes a common thing though like people will learn how to play around it and I yeah. I, I think the other secrets might be better at that point because those have guaranteed effects that will trigger this one yeah. 
once your opponent start, starts playing around it, it's just a dead card. Yeah. I'm going to give it a C because it is a secret in Paladin. <laughs> and thus it has so much more potential than almost any other card. But I still think that everything you said is spot I'll give on, it. So. I'll give it a D. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair as well. Um... Uh, yeah. So also, if it reduces the number of secrets you're playing, you know, it helps play Reno Jackson in Secret Paladin. So <laughs> there you go. Next up, we have a card I'm very interested in, which is Keeper of Uldaman. This is Uldaman. a four cost minion, common rarity, three attack and four health, and it reads Battle Cry set a minion's attack and health to three. Just imagine that with Bran. You can set it to three twice. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So. I really like this card in Paladin. Uh, the reason being is, for one thing, I love Paladin having choice and utility, which this definitely does. If you're in late game and your your opponent plays a Ysera, here's a way to, you know, make that targetable and removable. If it's early game and you just played Muster and you're going to turn four, you don't have, like, Quartermaster to follow it up with, or maybe your opponent removed a couple of the dudes you created, you can just immediately on turn four follow it up and get a plus two, plus two on a creature and get a three, four on the uh, battlefield, which is, like, five, six of stats on turn four, which is pretty amazing. Um, I just think it fits like at least mid-range Paladin fairly well. I think the one concern there would be between True Silver and Piloted Shredder, whether you can afford slotting another four-cost card in. But I definitely like the potential for this. Yeah, I think this card is quite good, actually. I uh, I was thinking about the possibilities of this card, and mm-hmm. it seems very well-rounded. You can use it to buff your own little small dudes. Yeah. Basically, anything that comes out before turn three, you can buff with this card. Right. And then any of your opponent's threats, you can just set them down to a mere 3-3, three, three, yeah. uh, which trades unfavorably with this card already. So... Yeah, it's it's a really cool card because it's good early game. It can be good late game. Um, it, it can be good for developing your board. It can be good for neutralizing your opponent's threats. Um, so it's so it has so much utility. And yeah, because three a lot is of a really utility. The body is yeah. already is decent. It's not super exciting, but I think it's decent yeah. for the the effect that it brings you. Mm-hmm. If you make a one one a three three, you're technically getting six seven worth of stats. So you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. So good enough think, for me. Yeah. So it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, I would give this one a B, actually. I I'll think this give it a B as well. I think this one is actually going to see some play. Yeah. Speaking of cards we love, anything can happen. I just love it because of the name. Uh, this is a paladin spell, weirdly enough. <laughs> Ten mana spell, rare rarity, and it reads, summon seven murlocs that died this game. <laughs> this card is pretty ridiculous. I yes. love it, too. Um, Murloc Paladin? Okay, so the cool thing about this card is it's a bomb card, basically, that works when you're ahead or behind. Like, if you're ahead by a couple creatures, it's not great because it's not going to be able to summon all seven, but man, can that be a win more in Murloc decks. And when you're behind, you fill your entire board with creatures, which is amazing. However, it does require living until turn 10 with a Murloc deck um, and also playing Murlocs. So So I think some people were making, like the the math and everything and yes. if you if you just pick certain murlocs mm-hmm. like uh the ones that have charge and certain burnt murlocs that buff your murlocs yeah. this card can actually be a turn 10 combo kill i think that is a good point i, I can't remember the exact amount of damage but it is like 20 20 or more damage and Paladin does have the single best Murloc card in the game. Um, yeah, with the, uh, the Murloc Knight is actually quite yes. good. So I don't know if you necessarily have to run an entirely Murloc base yeah, deck. That's a really good point. But you could run a Murloc deck that um, has a combination of things, right? You can still run things yeah. like your Minibot and then 
I was thinking maybe a little card draw, like the one when your creatures die, you get to draw a little more cards. Mm -hmm. And just because this is a rare card, you can run two of these and then just turn 10, just play it. Maybe not two of these, might be too much just because it costs 10 mana. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think this just... It just adds the possibility of a Murloc Paladin. It gets people thinking in yeah. that way. It's probably not going to be a mega competitive deck, this, but yeah. it makes it a reality, you know? This card makes me think I'm going to actually try a Murloc deck. Um, so for that, it is to be lauded. Uh, I haven't played Murlocs in forever. So yeah, I think this card in itself is a powerful effect and a good card for 10 mana. Um, but I think because it's Murlocs, I'd probably give it a D since it's very unlikely that a Murloc deck, given precedence, <laughs> will actually be playable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a C just because nice. I, I like the effect on the artwork. And <laughs> I think, name, I, I mean, for the name, it gets an A. Yeah. But. And then I think some people are going to play this just because of Murloc Knight and yeah. the ridiculousness of it. Sure. Sure. But it's not, a, I think it might be one of, you know, those trap cards that gets people to play more like that. Yeah. Aren't actually good. But yeah. hey, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> moving on to priest cards, we have Musum, Musum, Museum Curator, or Curator. Man, Musum Curator. Museum Curator, uh, two cost minion, common rarity, one attack and two health, and it reads Battle Cry, discover a death rattle card. That's okay. So Death Rattle Priest used to ooh, be a thing. Ooh, ooh. Is Death Rattle Priest going to be a thing again? I don't know. I don't even know if you need to build a death rattle deck with this guy. I yeah. think this guy, even if it doesn't give you, even if you're not playing a death rattle deck, I think he can be really interesting. There's a ton of good death rattle cards out there. Not to mention, with class cards being weighed so much more, it's very likely you'll get that three drop priest card. Um, yeah, dark you, cultist from yeah. this. You get the dark cultist. You can get a Sylvanas. You can get mm -hmm. Cairn. You can get, uh, I don't know, there's so many good battle cries. You can get Lepernome. Bel Belcher. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this card has a lot of potential. Um, it's a little bit confusing to me because I don't think it fits in Dragon Priest, and I don't think it fits super well in uh, Control Priest either. So is there another type of Priest that could be I could back? see. I could see it in Control Priest. It's like another card that gives you virtual card advantage. And just that's because, a fair point. That's a fair uh, point. Is a specific Death Rattle cards? I think mm -hmm. Priests in particular take really good advantage of those cards because they're sticky minions, which synergize well yeah. with a hero power. I'm excited to try Museum Curator in a priest deck. Well, given that I saw Amaz tweeting excitedly about this card, I'm going to assume he probably has reasons for... But though maybe he's just desperate at this point. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I do think that's a good point about the Control Priest. I hadn't considered, given their, uh, their you know, desire for card advantage. Also, they don't have a super important turn two right now um, that I'm aware of. Uh, no, usually turn two is a heal. Like, yeah. you want to play like a like a cleric, or you want the zombie chow on turn one, and then turn yeah. two, you just run into whatever they play and heal, and heal your creature. So often turn two won't have something for you to trigger for whatever reason. It won't have your heal or something else. So yeah, I can see there being good potential. For this. Yeah, and dragon priest, you have a good turn two with a wormist agent. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. the control style one, you don't. So this card might right. be actually good, especially because he puts down a body which might compete with early aggression. Definitely right. not a body that's going to compete with anything significant. No. But no. but it could, you know, trade with the leper gnome or start yeah. getting some totems out of the wave with shaman or you know. Yeah, I'd probably give this a C. And again, the discover effect is going to be interesting how that how that pans out. But I think this has a good shot at getting into a pre deck. I just don't think it's crazy powerful on its own. What about yeah. you? Uh, I'm gonna give it a B. I think All it's right. I think it's very playable in Priest. 
All right. Yeah, I I can definitely see that. And I'll give it a try. Do you know which wing it's coming out on? Or how soon it's coming? No, no idea okay. when it's coming out on. Gotcha. All right. Here's the card I'm excited about with Priest, which is Entomb. This is a six-mana spell with common rarity that reads, choose an enemy minion, shuffle Entomb. it into your deck. So this is doing two effects. It is removing a minion. That means their death rattle isn't going off. That means their divine shield isn't saving it. It It's just taking it out of the game. Like recycle. It's recycle, but instead of shuffling it back into your enemy's deck, it shuffles it into your deck. So it's recycle for the same mana cost. So, So, I don't know. The difference with this is that it doesn't put it back in your opponent's deck. It puts it in yours. So yes. like Recycle, I think this is actually really, really good. That's what I'm saying. Yes, it's like way better than Recycle, especially in like control matchups with Priests. Oh my God, like, yeah. Like they play Ysera, you play in Tomb. Now I your think, deck is bigger. I think control Priests are salivating over yeah. this card. Especially this against, just imagine, like one of the biggest pains in the butt when you were a Priest is when Paladins just play Tyrion and Curve. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my god, I just have to death this because I'm yeah. so two turns away from my mind control. And right. I don't even play mind control yes. anymore. So never mind that idea. I, has, I have <laughs> to kill it and then they get a free weapon. But with right. a tomb, on the other hand, is like they play Tyrion and your eyes yes. are going to widen. And you're going to be like, yes, give me that yeah. Tyrion. Come over here. Or if you you're playing as Warrior, yep. like you said, you can entomb their Hysera, their I Ragnaros, know. any of their big... You could entomb their Alexstrasza, their... Ah, there's so many things. Yeah, for the, I, for the control versus it. control matchup, this is an insane card. It is. And then it's uh, it also is saving the mind control for their next big threat. So you now have more threat removal with Priest, which is always useful. It's uh, making the... Um, the fatigue against warriors even worse against priests now because you go into the fatigue and they got an extra card from your best card. So it's to like, how good, are you ever going to, to win? To be completely honest, I think that yeah. priests needed this card because yeah. normally in those long attrition attrition matchups, Warrior warriors or paladins used to have mm-hmm. the usually have the upper hand just because mm-hmm. of the hero powers. But oh, yeah. this card kind of gives you a little more, more fuel in the priest deck to get rid of their creatures and add a threat to your deck. Um, yeah. yeah, it's great. Now, there is a potential downside. Walk walk through this scenario with me. You're running a priest that runs Reno Jackson. Um, you're running Entomb. You have Ysera. You Entomb their Ysera. You can't play Reno Jackson now because there are two Yseras in your deck. Uh, <laughs> damn it. It's, it's done. The dream is yeah. over. D. Can't play Reno Jackson. <laughs> F. Yeah. No, no, it's no, anti-Reno no. Jackson synergy. Anyway, I no, love this I card. I think this card is very playable. B, B yeah. for sure, in B my on, opinion. B on... B and if the meta slows down enough, I could see it being an A card for priests. So, um, yeah. I th- yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely. I think it's gonna be a one off unless you're just seeing a lot of control. Then you might see two, but like with light bomb and one of these, I think yeah. you you're gonna have enough feel. I there. totally agree. I think it's a B card that is going to lead to A plays with said card. Yeah, there <laughs> like you go. Going to be A moments with the card there you overall. Go. It, it there is you situational. Go. So, all right. Next, we have excavated evil. A five cost. Uh, priest spell that is rare rarity and reads deal three damage to all minions shuffle this card into your opponent's deck okay so this card Mm. confuses me um Hmm. I'm not there are a lot of interesting thoughts about this card and I don't think I have a conclusion on it yet so with patron out of the meta do you think priest right now needs a three damage instead of holy nova which is five that's dealing two damage and healing their own stuff like do you think that's a I think Priest 
can never get too many AOEs. They're probably right. they're probably fine with getting more AOEs. They love right. just wiping the boards. Um, this is definitely an anti-aggressive card. Yes. I, I don't necessarily see the purpose of this card. It's interesting that this is what priests are yeah. getting specifically. I wonder if they were in partic- particularly struggling with a turn 5 deal 3 damage to most things. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Because I feel like in Dragon Priest, you'd much rather have, like, you know, a tempo-based priest having a Holy Nova that's healing your own stuff and not hurting your own stuff. Like, this will board wipe you, too, for a lot of your stuff. But something that's healing you and getting you card draw, like, Holy Nova is so much better. Yeah, this is like Hellfire for priests, but it doesn't damage the heroes. Hellfire, but more expensive. I mean, one thing I thought of is since you're shuffling into your opponent's deck, like, if they're running an aggro deck... They're going to hate to draw this, so it potentially denies them a card. Yeah, against this is definitely an anti-aggro card for sure. Yeah, I mean, against control, the other control, they might actually quite enjoy getting this card. I guess it gives you an alternative to running the Circle of Healing um, Akanai combo, because it's like, if you don't want to use a bunch of cards for that and Control Priest, you could try this instead. Yeah, or again, you could run one of these and one Holy Nova and oh, Reno, gosh, Jackson. And Reno Jackson. That's it. It's Reno <laughs> Jackson Priest. So yeah, I'm super confused by this card. I almost wonder if it requires a better understanding of Priest than I have. Um, I gave it a D just because, you know, if this was, if Patron Warrior was still where it was before, and maybe that's when they designed this card. I don't know. Um, I think it would be kind of amazing because you have that three damage removal of patrons, um, which is pretty good. Um, but with that out of the meta, I'm I'm not quite sure I'm seeing where this is needed. Unless right now Priest is suffering so much against aggro and that's making it unplayable that this is like giving it its ticket back into the meta. I'm going to give it a C just because okay. I do think being able to deal three damage over two that damage is a powerful five is quite significant. And there, there has been many times where I've been playing Priest yeah. where I have a Holy Nova, but it, mm-hmm. playing Holy Nova leaves a bunch of minions on two health or one yeah. health. Um, so this this card might fill a hole there. I could, I could see That's a very maybe point. some very controlly Priest running two Holy Novas and then one of these maybe. Yeah. I think it's hard to give any uh, like effect like this an aoe effect too low of a grade just because of how much proven um value, value you that effect has yeah. yeah so i totally get that i think i get i, I just still don't i think this card it. is definitely playable yeah. um especially against an aggro deck uh it's pretty good yeah all right moving on to rogue we've got pit snake a one cost minion common rarity to attack one health beast type and reads destroy any minion damaged by this minion so it basically has like death touch if you're a magic player or emperor cobra effect um i think this card's kind of horrible uh, yeah, to, be, to be completely honest i'm not a fan of it either like if you're looking for an effect like this you might even run the the patient assassin right that has stealth yeah. and might have a bigger chance of surviving yeah the, the difficulty turn. with this card is like uh in magic it'd be great again because of how attacking works in that game but in this game you put this thing out they can remove it with any of their one drops they can remove it with their mini hero powers like it's going to be rare for you to find a scenario where you can play this card which you know isn't going to have charge and put your opponent in a bind yeah it's just like they're gonna have ways around it i guess like against like a warrior later on they might contest like a big minion but then they have weapons it's just like there's so many ways and whirlwind effects like crazy which just murder this 
Yeah, yeah. I think it. Well, it is a beast. So I think beast rogue. <laughs> this is what I'm. This is what I'm thinking. They wanted okay. to add a one cost beast that had an effect like this uh-huh. for the druid card that's coming out. Wow. The one, the one that summons, but they just didn't yeah. want to give it to hunter or to druid specifically. Cause or neutral, because then or everyone neutral. can use it. Yeah, so that's they That's a super good theory. They may have stuck it on rogue because it was like where it could fit best or something. I don't this know. This is actually a really high impact card to come out of it as well, because if they hit that and then don't have good ways to trade... They're giving you the tempo on it. Yeah. They have to, yeah, that's actually a really good point. It also comes out of Web Spinner and Ram Wrangler. So yeah. there. Huh. There you go. Okay. Yeah. I'm to be completely honest, in Rogue, I don't see it. I don't see yeah. it at all. I give it a D bordering on F. Um, this yeah. card's not good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm there with you. This card is in the pits. All right. Um, we're moving on to Tomb Pillager. This is a very interesting card. It is four mana. Five attack and four health, and it reads, de- it's a common rarity minion, and it reads death rattle at a coin to your hand. Some pro, this was, I forget who it was now, but this is actually the card of the set, um, which is very interesting to me. Well, I, did not I, I actually here. do quite like this card. I think this right. card can be very powerful. I think a four drop, five four, very decent stats, very aggressive card, and just because the death rattle gives you the coin, you're almost guaranteed to get this coin. It's not like the other card that came out that whenever you attack the hero, you get the coin. Mm-hmm. That card is so hard to get the value. Coin. But this one, you're right. almost guaranteed because he's going to want to remove this minion for sure. It's a big enough threat that yeah. your opponent has to remove it. And an extra coin on Rogue can be really, really good. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, one downside to it for sure is a four drop that trades pretty poorly with a Shredder, an opponent Shredder. They can remove this with their shredder and still have something left. Um, but you do still get a coin out of it, so you're not losing everything by doing that. Yeah, um, yeah. And especially with Rogue, where uh, you have so many tempo plays, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can still play this, prep, sap the shredder that you're going to plays, right? Right. So do, um, the, the big question is, Oil Rogue is the only viable Rogue right now. Do you think that fits into that playstyle as well? Because it's not yeah, very sticky. I, I think it would fit. I think the four, the four drop in Oil Rogue has seen quite some change. You sometimes mm-hmm. see Pilot Shredder. You sometimes see the Violet Teacher. Yeah. And I think that slot is very replaceable. I don't think it's a cornerstone yeah. in the deck. Um, obviously, you want a minion that sticks. But having a minion that gives you a coin for that particular sort of deck... Can yeah. be very very useful, uh, or even it doesn't even have to be an oil rogue like a like a combo style rogue with spells. Yeah, if we get one back. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. All right, I think Tomb Pillager. I don't know. I might even put it into B range. Um, it does have a very powerful and consistent effect, which is pretty good and has good I'll, stats. I'm gonna give cons. it a B. I think it's very yeah. playable in rogue. I'll put it up there as well. Uh, next up, we have Unearthed Raptor. This is a three cost minion with three attack and four health already. Awesome. People, you want those stats for that cost, so great that Rogue now has that. Uh, it reads, Battle Cry, choose a friendly minion, gain a copy of its death rattle effect. I absolutely love that this effect exists. I think I love, like, copying and cloning ability effects a lot in games. Uh, I think it makes it uh, very, very interesting. I kind of wish you could choose opponent minions as well, just because how fun that would be, but I get why yeah. they, that's not on here. I think this is super strong as well. Yeah, this um, is super strong. I think... Just because they gave rogues the pit snake, they were like, "All right, guys, the other <laughs> the other two cards must be really good." Yeah, and that's why they did this. Unearthed Raptor is also pretty amazing. Being able to yeah. choose a death rattle effect and put it on this 
can be so strong. There's yeah. so many good death row effects. Like you can clone yeah. a Sylvanas. You can even clone the Tomb Pillager that we already talked about. Yeah. Uh, which we already think the battle cry is pretty good. Um, this. Clo- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say cloning it, it's, you know, awesome. Exactly. You can also get, uh, if you ever run a really high uh, Anubarak rogue, doesn't he have a crazy death rattle where you like yeah. return, you can yeah. return your unearthed rattle to your hand and get it for four Nerubia? Oh my god, that would so, be like endless combo. Exactly. So that's cool. But I mean, thinking of it just as a three drop, even then, you think of like turn one or two death rattles, you could have the um, Haunted Creeper effect on it, which would be amazing. Three mm-hmm. mana for a three, four that has the Haunted Creeper effect is it basically... Five, six in stats spread yep. over multiple bodies for three mana, which is insane. For Additionally, sure. if you run the Nerubian egg in mm-hmm. a rogue deck ever, yeah. that's absurd. And they're probably not going to remove that on turn two. So yeah. you're almost guaranteed to have a three, four that can then spawn a four, four. It's, uh, I think this card can be really strong. Yeah. And it, it's kind of calling for a death rattle rogue. Yeah. Which I think. I it's also a battle cry, so even Brun. Oh my gosh! So you get two, get if you double played, double oh battle cry. I mean, double death rattle. <laughs> yeah, I am so excited about this card. I just love the type of effect. I think it's just even playing a three four for three and rogue is not bad. Often they'll play have to play. You know, right now oil rogue is running. Um, or they don't. Farseer. They don't have a three drop. Yeah, they yeah. they don't have a powerful three drop that they're looking for. Usually, it does the SI agent turn, and only if you have the coin or you have like a. Yeah backstab of that sort of thing more often you'll see people dropping a farseer against aggro to kind of you know yeah farseer is like the only other thing but mainly you're that turn you're usually just like weaponing up and yeah uh poison poisoning your blade and stuff like that so this came out this week but i am super happy about this card i i I give it a b um yeah 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 i think it's definitely very playable fantastic uh moving on to shaman i'm really excited about this as well we have Tunnel Trog. This is a one attack, three health minion that reads, uh, common rarity minion that reads, whenever you overload, gain plus one attack per locked mana crystal. Um, so they're still trying to get people to play Shaman, and they're still trying to get people to use the overload effect with Shaman. Uh, laudable goals. Um, what do you think <laughs> about this, Andres? I mean, the obvious comparison is, do you replace Zombie Chow? Or, to play Reno, do you put one of these and one Zombie Chow in? Like, how does this stack I don't, I don't know. I was trying this guy out earlier today, okay. and he he is good. I like the card. The stats are good. It's kind of like Mana Worm for yeah. Overload. But just because of the nature of Overload, you're not you're not being able to buff this guy constantly. Not like Mana true. Worm, which you can buff true. him like several times in one turn. Yeah. Um, However, one of those buffs can be exceedingly powerful depending on what type of cards you're running. You're, Some cards yeah, have only right. two or three. You're right. Yeah. If you play like the uh, Elemental Destruction kind of thing, uh-huh. yeah, plus five on one turn. Right. Um so he can be very aggressive. Obviously like the like the dream would be like turn one this, turn two, uh coin out Totem Golem. Oh yeah. I was thinking turn two, coin out the wolves, the two threes, that way he's protected and turns into a three three. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. a pretty powerful play actually too. Yeah. I think he definitely goes into an overload deck. Hopefully it'll bring a little power especially mm-hmm. early game to that sort of deck just because it's a deck that loses a lot of tempo because of the overload right. so it definitely needs powerful cards that are able to hold the tempo at, but so you get it back right yeah i think like we talked about also with um sir finley is that shamans could use a good one drop and one three is not a bad starting point for a one drop mm-hmm. um yeah most of them use Samichao exclusively because they're they, ha- yeah. they need such a powerful one drop, right? 
But but Shaman is a card that typically goes mid-range and typically goes for an aggressive form of mid-range, so that health from zombie chat that your opponent's getting can sometimes kind of kill you when you're wanting to close out the game. Yeah, and uh, this guy definitely for later on in the game is better than be the zombie chow. Yeah, yeah, you can really buff this guy high later on. So I think a Shaman sticks around with a lot of overload cards going forward. I think this guy actually is really good. Like, the pure card itself is really powerful. Um it's just Overload has had such a troubled and rocky history in the past. Yeah, I think the card itself is quite powerful. Whether the Overload effect is going to be able to to make it into competitive play because some of these cards are yeah. spawning on is yet to be seen. Uh, I'll give it a I'll give it a B because yeah, me too. It, because me too. it is a card that that is pretty powerful for what it is. Yeah, the card um, itself is a B, and the meta the, might the drag archi- it down. The archetype we'll see. We'll see if the archetype makes it. For sure. Next up, we have Rumbling Elemental. This is a four-cost minion, common rarity, two attack and six health, and it reads, after you play a Battlecry minion, deal two damage to a random enemy. So it's like Knife Juggler, uh, basically. It's a super Knife Juggler that triggers off Battlecries. Um, so we know that effect is already powerful, mm-hmm. and Brand doubles it. Um, so I really like this card. I was toying around with it today, and the yes. two-six health makes Pretty it... Good. So that your opponent has a very hard time dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And if he chooses to deal with it, usually he's losing a lot of tempo because he's running a lot of creatures into it. And yeah. most of the turns with I play, where I play this, my opponent either chose to ignore it or to go yeah. for the other creatures. Just because going for this one would make it super inefficient for him in right. those turns. So after seeing that, it makes me very confident that playing this on curve will more than likely survive unless your opponent spends a lot of resources, which is right. which is good for you either way, right? Because you get to keep all your tempo. Um, and then on top of that, this is a card that can gain you a lot, a lot of tempo, especially with things like Battlecry that have, have the effects right. immediately. Um, mm-hmm. If this card sticks, it is stuck for being a couple of turns, and playing Battlecry after it, you, you, you can do stuff similar to Flame Waker, yeah. where you're playing aggressively while controlling the board. Yeah, that's a really good point. And not only that, but com- uh, if this comes out in turn four, Shaman has turned five with Azure Drake, turn six with Fire Elemental, turn seven with Dr. Boom. Like They can be dropping battle cries consistently um, after it comes out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, which works really well. I mean, you can even, if they're still running Defender of Argus's, like, that's not the best turn five play, but if you drop Defender of Argus, you get its effect and also get a 3-7 with Taunt, which is incredible against aggressive decks. Um, yeah, I I like this guy for a Battlecry deck. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely like it. I think I give it a B as well. I just think it's strong. Yeah, B. All right. Speaking of strong, amazing Shaman cards, we have Every Fin is Awesome. Uh, seven, seven cost spell, rare rarity reads, give your minions plus two plus two, costs one less for each murloc you control. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this card is hilarious. I think this card is very playable because mm. it gives plus two plus two to all minions, not just murlocs. Not just murlocs. This is and true. And then you could reduce the cost of it if you run a couple of murlocs. Um, you could make a Murloc Shaman if you want to. There are a couple of Murlocs that kind of pass if you just want to run them as one-offs. Um, definitely for a Murloc Shaman, this could be like their bloodlust, right? Shaman, you could play this very early on, very aggressively. Yeah. 
Shaman is one of the good Murloc decks. So you've got Neptalon, you've got the Silt Fin that draws you more cards, two very important things yeah. for Murloc decks. So as Murloc decks go, Shaman, this is just, it's the same conversation about um, what is the other one? Anything, um, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Like, I think it's a powerful card. I think its effect is good in a Murloc deck, but I don't think a Murloc deck will be run, um, like, competitively. So I give it a D with the card itself probably being a higher grade, but because it is a pretty I'll, I'll good effect. I'll give it a C just because exactly the plus the two plus yep. two is tournament. It is permanent, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's tournament play. We're yeah, see this it's, in not, it's not tournament play, but it's permanent. So yeah. it's actually quite powerful. It's a good effect. Imagine sure. oh imagine like a like a buff style late like not so rush but mid-rangey style like murloc mm. deck with shaman where you can mm. draw cards out of your murlocs so you can play the mist color i know this is already sounding like pretty hopeful mm-hmm. but mist color <laughs> can actually be pretty powerful in like yeah. a mid-rangey style deck and where your murlocs can grow in power as the game goes on and mm-hmm. because this card becomes progressively easier to ca- to cast eventually yeah. later on in the game you can draw enough murlocs to just play him and play this immediately and get uh, an insane murloc board that's a great point all right next we have the warlock cards we have curse of Rafam, which is a two cost spell common rarity that reads give your opponent a cursed card while they hold it they take two damage on their turn now what the cursed card is it is a card that costs two mana it was similar to a boss mechanic um they can just play it out of their hand um and when they do they had to spend two mana and it uh it stops them from taking the two damage when they play it. Um, I think this card is horrible. Like, I think this card is really, really bad. I believe this card is very, very horrible too. Yes. I think this card would have been actually playable if they had made it so that when your opponent play pay the two mana, it came back to your hand. Yeah, there you go, that you can throw it back to them. But basically what you're doing is you're getting two damage to their face for two mana, which is horrible. <laughs> like you, you, Or, to be honest, this card would even be playable if it costs zero. If yeah. it costs nothing and your opponent had to... Because then you get a tempo swing. Yeah, if you would get a two mana tempo, even, tempo even swing. Even if it costed one. Like, if it was just yeah. something. Even if you were gaining mana. something. But like literally, all, yeah, yeah, literally, you're getting nothing playing this card. Yeah, in, in Zulok, you cannot sacrifice the tempo to do this effect. You are ruining the, your own point of your deck. And in Handlock, you're not tapping and you're spending a card, which is horrible for Handlock. Exactly. So it's like, I, I think oh. I think they're, they're maybe trying some new stuff out yeah, with this card, totally. seeing how it works out, but it's <laughs> quite underwhelming yeah. I, don't, I can't see any situation where this card would be good okay I mean, here I, you go Andres. I, I mean i give the first f of you my play trogzor and then you play curse of reform oh my god if they play it you get a trog off trogzor <laughs> yeah i, I guess i guess that would be the only time <laughs> where you do it if you actually play cards where if they play spells is good for you like what maybe lord walker cho yeah, that's true. I, I feel like it's no Lord Control would be terrible. It would put a curse in your hand, <laughs> and you would start taking damage. Oh, you, oh yeah. I guess I guess that is how it would work. Oh no, yeah, it would be terrible. Walker, no, even worse. Can't even, even use it worse. with Lord Walker Cho. Um, yeah, I think the thing about this card is like the one thing you could say is like you could play it on the right turn and shut them down, like for a turn, but. You know, if they if you're shutting them down for some important turn, they'll probably just decide to take the two damage and play that important turn and then get rid of it the next turn. Like, so, yeah, just, so that's the thing. You would have to you yeah. have to very cleverly predict <laughs> what their game plan is going to be and yeah. force them and at the same time force them to deal with like threaten them enough so that yes. they don't they cannot afford 
to use the curse. Mm -hmm. But I just don't see that being the case. Like, eventually, they'll find the two mana and just throw that away. That said... This is a really cool mechanic for them to use in other cards. <laughs> like, I love the yeah, idea. Of hopefully, you keep it around. A yeah, it's a very flavorful for the warlock. But yeah, mm, I, yeah. yeah. If. And think mill, mill warlock. You know, fill up their hand and then they start t- <laughs> drawing. <laughs> anyway, uh, we have dark peddler, much better warlock card. This is a two mana minion, common rarity, two attack, two health, and reads battle cry. Discover a one cost card. This is a card I've actually played with. Um, so I think the the deck for this one is obviously. Zulok, I would say. I mean, Handlock, it doesn't lose you card advantage, but you're probably wanting to tap on turn two. To be completely honest, I think I like this card in a little more either a mid-range style or more control-y style of deck. Okay. Because um, the cards that you get out of it, uh, it can be like Death Goal, it can be Soulfire, it can be Mm -hmm. uh, Power Overwhelming. So... You could use it in a in an aggressive Zulog, and if you're trying yeah. to get like a third power overwhelming or yeah, a so far one to one to finish things off, I think that mm-hmm. works really well. But this guy, like the amount of options that he that he gives you, are, are really strong for I don't know mid range style deck too. That is true as a consideration of using him for a finisher and for the spells rather than tempo, because the reason for the minion tempo he's a lot worse than like the scarab is. Um, you're drawing a one cost card on turn two if you're playing him on. Uh, on mm-hmm. tempo and that means on turn three you're dropping a one cost card and a two cost card instead of a three cost card like it's not presenting you with an amazing option on turn three uh especially given how many amazing two drops there are to drop as warlock on turn two with a nerubian egg haunted creeper etc i'm and uh uh what's it called knife juggler so often i'm i'm i already have too many things i want to play as zulok Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a really good point that it does have, you're often wanting to finish things off with uh, a mid-rangey warlock deck, be it Zulok or another type someone could create. And the idea of being able to get power overwhelmings or something like that uh, more consistently later in the game could actually be really interesting. Yeah, or on-demand Death Coil, right, makes you draw mm-hmm. a card uh, without necessarily having to run Death Coils in your deck. Yeah, again, waiting towards class cards is very important for this guy. I mean, you're also often going to get the Flame Imps and the Void uh, Void Walkers, but... Um, Void yeah. Walker can be good sometimes too, depending yes. against what deck you're playing. That's very true. I'd probably give this thing a C. I think it has potential in multiple types of decks, but I don't think it's like its effect is immediately going to be super powerful. I think it can kind of make you fall behind. I, I'm actually going to give it a B. I think All right. I think it's pretty good. I I think just because of the the cards that you can get out uh-huh. of it, I think I'm going to give it a B. Okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, I think, again, it's another one of those cards that I'm having to reshift my perspective knowing that class cards come out of it so much more. So, mm-hmm. All right, well, now we have Reliquary Seeker. Um, this is a one-cost card, rare, rarity, one attack, and one health. It reads Battlecry. If you have six other minions, gain plus four, plus four. This is the worst card. <laughs> in, 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 Warlock got two of the worst cards, like, in the game. <laughs> this card is so bad. So... <sighs> Where to start? <laughs> <laughs> this card this card can be really good if it meets the condition, but yeah. meeting the condition in Warlock is not impossible. You know, with implosions and imp gank bosses, you actually True. fill up your board quite often. But playing this guy just as a one one is terrible. As a one one mana one one is definitely terrible. Right. So you would have to play a deck where you definitely want to fill up your board, and then you get a huge tempo swing because a five five for one mana is fantastic. That's true. Um, maybe in a very specific deck where you're always aiming to do that. You know. Yeah. I I mean the average Sulak already does that 
quite reliably with like the eggs, ink, ink gang bosses, you know, implosion yeah. kind of thing. You can even do implosion and this on the same turn if you already have a couple minions on the board. That is true. The, the difficulty, though, with that is that it if you're already having complete presence on the board, um, you probably don't need a huge tempo swing and you probably don't need to further fill your board enough to put in a card that that is its only point. Well, here's, Not, the, here's the thing, though. Yeah. When Warlocks fill up their board, they don't fill it up with... Yeah, huge threats. They true. fill it up with a bunch of one ones that sometimes are not threatening enough, and they help you trade with their board, and you know, kind of keep things rolling. That is, but true. they don't necessarily become very threatening. If you can pair up an implosion with not only filling up your board by a five five, I think yeah. that's definitely a lot more threatening, and that's when your opponent's gonna have to be like, "Whoa, yeah." Um, you can even do implosion, coin this thing out, kind of thing. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I just implosion is also a random effect, so it's possible you only get two minions from it to begin with, or it's possible you get two mini minions and then still can't play this. It's just so conditional. And not only that, but typically you're playing it late enough in the game that you don't necessarily need the one drop. You could probably just play another powerful late like higher costing minion that's way more consistent mm -hmm. so it just seems really bad overall like it relies yeah. on such a specific effect and typically typically with that effect you're already winning slash your opponent's going to clear your board in yeah. which case you're losing i'm mostly more trying to play devil's advocate yeah. here for this card <laughs> fitting but for warlock yeah I, I i don't know i'm gonna give it a d okay i'm gonna give it an f but i understand the argument you made and d is fair but <laughs> it's pretty bad. All right, we're on to our last class here with Warrior, and we're starting off with a bang with Hey, fierce... I don't know. wait, before wait. we move on, you can oh, get no. this guy, the guy out of the Dark Peddler, right? You could get it out of Dark Peddler. Also, you could remove a Flame Imp and put it in, and let's play Reno. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are No, ways. but okay, get it. actually, now that no, thinking wait. about it, now that you can get it out of the Dark Peddler, that mm. could be very very strategic, because That's if you're a playing a, a mid-range deck that already has close to a full board, and you play a Peddler and get this, that yeah, could be good. Yeah, can, you can choose it when it's actually useful instead yeah, of when it's having useful. it use a deck slot. So yeah, it still yeah. gets an F in terms of constructing a deck with it, but that is a potential use case for it that we didn't see before. Yeah, there That's you a go. really good point. All right, Fierce Monkey. This is a warrior card. Three mana, common rarity, three attack, four health, beast, taunt. <laughs> now, common rarity means arena, which is not typically what we talk about, but everyone, uh, you know, is big on warrior being okay in arena. A 3-4 for three that has taunt. Wonderful addition for arena for warrior. Yeah, definitely so. wonderful. It also says kind of like bolster warrior to yes me. which i am a fan of um i'm trying to think you know right now with three drops for warrior it's mostly just what is it, an acolyte of pain As they don't have a lot of three drops in fact they don't have yeah. any yeah it's just acolyte of pain for them so like and that, well well yeah. they have bash yeah so you could get like a tempo taunt warrior that's that's playing some good stuff so I see some, uh, like you could do like turn one zombie chow or something into turn two, the thing that gives zombie chow taunt. And then you like turn three fierce monkey, uh, and then bolster. So yeah, yeah. what do you think? I, I, I think bolster decks might be a little, a thing. It might not, yeah. they might not be like a tier one deck, but I think they're getting enough cards to do it, especially with the other two cards that the warrior got. I think those mm -hmm. are very bolstery warrior cards. I think all the warrior cards that they got are meant for kind of like a taunt-style warrior. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely see the potential for that. Um, I think that Fierce... Uh, 
that Bolster did not do well last time. And I know we are really wanting Bolster Warrior to work, especially me. Um, so I'm skeptical. I've been burned before. Um, but I, I'm excited to see if, you know, this next influx can help. Uh, another card that kind of synergizes with that is the Obsidian Destroyer. This is a, oh wait, oh, what, what, uh, grade would you give Fierce Monkey? For me, it's a C. Uh, C. Yeah. It's a All solid right. card. You know, three, four with ton for three mana. I think it, it, it's solid. Cool. We got the Obsidian Destroyer, seven mana, seven attack, seven health, common rarity, and it reads, at the end of your turn, summon a 1-1 one, one Scarab with Taunt. There's that Taunt again. Yep. Um, My difficulty is seven mana also gets you Dr. Boom, which is a lot better. Um, This card is good if your opponent doesn't have an answer to it, but if it has, say, BGH, you got a 1-1 one, one Scarab for seven mana. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a, if you're doing a bolster deck, this you might find out a, a one-off of these guys, right? It, yeah. They create tons. You can put in Hogger there, more tons. Uh, just tons everywhere. I feel like if you're doing a bolster deck, that's what you're trying to do, right? Just tons, 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 and more that tons. That is true. That is true. I just feel like this guy, even in that type of deck, most things that remove him are going to reach through taunt anyway. That's a lot of you know spells and that sort of stuff. And also... Typically, you don't want to be pouring a bunch of mana into a beefy creature that does not have an immediate effect for you. And getting a 1-1 with Taunt isn't much of an immediate effect. So, like, I'm I'm not sure that I'm sold on spending 7 mana on a turn to potentially not really do anything. Yeah, he's definitely not at the level of Dr. Boom. Yeah. Um, but cards that are trying to play in the same vein, around the same strategy, yeah. uh, can be good. If this guy does survive for one turn and keeps in spawns, like... Two two twos, <laughs> and you bolster that. There's you know yeah. two three threes with taunt. Um, yeah, and I mean, if he can survive, he can start to really stall the game. Out, that's and sure. it, it's also a thread that plays in the same vein as that type of deck, right? Right. Like it's also important to think about the, the threads and all the cards in your deck. You want them to play around the same strategy. So if you're trying yeah. to build a bolster deck, you know the the more cards that produce taunts or that have taunt in them that are good. Uh, the better. Yeah. And sure, you can play a Dr. Boom instead of it, but in a bolster deck where you're just trying to make taunts, I don't know, this see, seems to fit more of the flavor. Um, yeah, you're right. I agree. Um, so I, I think that for me, I think I'd give it a C then because of the potential of the bolster deck coming back and Taunt Warrior being a thing it has. It has a potential home, but I do think the raw card has is a lot of lacking for cards you want in this. Yeah, and I feel like you always have to think about these decks kind of as a rock, paper, scissor kind yeah. of thing. So like Taunt Warrior might be amazing against all things aggro. Might right, not be as good right. against Freeze Mage though, right? Although they exactly. do have armor, so you never know. Exactly. All right, we have our final warrior card. Uh, the Cursed Blade, this is a one-cost weapon with two attack and three health that uh, is rare rarity, so that's pretty amazing starting out, but the effect is double all damage dealt to your hero. That includes damage you take when you're attacking with this thing. Yep. Um, so, th- this card on its face is terrible. Um, you could get stuck with it and end up just losing to aggro decks. Um... What do you think the use case is? I heard some people say that this is for like an aggressive warrior. Hmm. The Cursed Blade. So, to be completely honest with you, I don't know if I don't know if you want this for an aggressive warrior. Yeah, it's not as it's not as strong for. I guess you can play on turn one and start going phase with it. But right. I, to be honest, I see it more as a very very efficient early answer to uh start removing the board 
right. in, a, in a deck that is playing planning to play a very long-term game and that has a lot of ways of keeping itself alive, which Warrior is already really good at doing. Uh-huh. Um, that is more of my guess of what the what this card is trying to do, rather than being an aggressive kind of thing. Right, but against most decks that you're going to w- want to control the board on, don't you think you're going to be taking more damage from it than you're going to be saving? Like The other thing that this is useful for is that if you can play this on turn one and you're not mm-hmm. trying... If you're playing a deck, a warrior deck that is uh, playing more for board and tempo, this is yeah. a great, great tempo card. Um, you just you're just sacrificing a lot of health to gain that tempo, um, right? And health is a resource with warrior that you actually can have excess of. Exactly. What do you think of it in like arena? Maybe for warrior. Ooh, in arena, I think I think it can be really good in arena because again, in arena, tempo is really really important. Right. And basically, you're exchanging um, health for tempo and mm-hmm. health that you can gain later on with the armor. Something yeah. that warriors struggle a lot with in arena, yeah. especially you know, getting a hold of the board and maintaining it, and then their hero power becomes very irrelevant later down the line because they can't use it to gain control of the board. But if they can use this sort of card to always stay ahead and then later on regain back the health, um, right. or even in like a bolster warrior, right, where you can play this on turn one and then po- from that point on you just start playing taunts. And you just use this to um, keep your taunts alive so you right. can bolster them up later on. Uh, and just because you're building a wall of taunts and your opponent, your hero is not getting hit, only hit when you choose to get hit, um, you might be able to mitigate the huge drawback of the card. Yeah, granted, remember that spell and hero power damage will still be being doubled. So against like Hunter and stuff, they could get some serious damage in there. True. Um, I mean, ideally, you want to play this card early on, yeah, and use it to re- afford a hero yeah, power. use it to remove their creatures uh, that don't have a ton of damage. Mm-hmm. Although, even removing three creatures with this might put you at half health. But yeah, but something to consider with it, this. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry, just my last thought. The way I think about yeah. it is that if if you can play this card and then play a bunch of taunts or valuable creatures later on while controlling the board with this card, even if you're at half health or even less than that, you know, 10 health by the time you gain the board and that from that point on, you kind of just keep yourself alive using things mm-hmm. like shield maidens or uh, <clears throat> bashes, that sort of thing. I think it might be it might be useful. It re- I definitely want to play with this card, right? Yeah. I want to see how, how bad the liability is. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that Something else you can think of it as like for, for low cost drops, especially if you can remove this with one swing of your weapon, it would be the equivalent of the opponent getting one swing into the minion and then you using a different weapon to remove it because you're taking, you know, the damage twice from a minion. So like mm-hmm. if you remove a Lepronome with this, well, that's actually a bad example because you would take double damage from his ba- death rattle. If you're removing Abuse Sergeant with this, it would be equivalent to if you had to wait that one turn, the Abuse Sergeant got a hit, hit it, and then you quit Fiery War Axe and took it out because you're taking, you know, four damage total from it. So yeah, I can see potential there. The other thing I can see potential for is like a pirate uh, aggro uh, warrior, which I knew was going on for a while. If you can turn one Cursed Blade, turn two, like do that pirate that gets your attack, the, the two drop. So you get like a four, three on turn two mm-hmm. and then can follow that up with the discounted taunt pirate. Um, it's like you can get a lot of that uh, weapon synergy with pirates really early. Um, mm-hmm. which can yeah, be there you go. That could be another use. Yeah. 
Um, we'll see. We'll see. I think the the card itself, a one mana two three weapon for warrior, is amazing. Yeah, and I think that's why they had to put this huge drawback drawback yeah. uh, into it. But if anyone can handle this, I think is warrior. Yeah, especially in arena where their hero power has been kind of useless. That's why I was trying to think of arena for this card. Is I wonder if that's w- what they were designing it in mind for and constructed as an afterthought. But we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll um, see. Yeah. All right, that's it. That is the set for class cards. I am just so happy with how experimental and innovative this set is. Like, yeah, there's a lot of cool effects, a lot of new effects and things yeah. that we have never seen before. So I think there's going to be a lot of interesting decks to uh, in the weeks to come. Yeah, they're adding a lot of complexity to the game. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really curious. If anyone has any thoughts about um, what they... Uh, what what they've played with so far or what cards they like or any thoughts on our reviews for them or anything they want us to add, just please email us at hearthaholics at gmail.com and we can go through a few of those uh, on the next show. Absolutely. Uh, or you can also tweet at us if you guys have any questions or if you guys have any cool findings or new decks that you've been trying. I love to hear about it. Uh, you can always tweet at me, send me a picture of the list or a screenshot of a crazy moment that you had in the game. Tell me what deck you've been playing. I especially in this new start of a new adventure yeah. with new cards. I love seeing what other people play. I I'm constantly looking at streams, constantly going to Reddit and yeah. talking to other people. So yeah, if you're listening to this and want to share some of the stuff you're doing, feel free email us or tweet at us. It's just fun to hear new ideas. Absolutely. So you can email us at hearthaholics at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at hearthaholics. And if you want to reach us uh, personally on Twitter, Andres is iPlayGames. That's I-P-L-A-I Games. And I am Lord Meldor. That is L-O-R-D-M-E-L-D-O-R-R. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, all just search Hearthaholics and you'll find us there. If you can leave us a review on Stitcher or iTunes, that would be absolutely wonderful. We'll read it on the show. Thank you. And also, it's just, it's really helpful for us for building community and just getting some feedback from you and hearing what you like about the show. Um, If you guys want to check out uh, the other part of this episode, we released it earlier this week. Uh, We go over all of the neutral cards and the episode before that, we go over um, some of the ways we use to evaluate cards and how mm-hmm. to look at cards a little more objectively and um, accurately. So make sure you check those out if you guys haven't. Um, cool. You have anything else you want to say, Brian? Uh, no, that'll be it. Now that the uh, card reviews are over, we're still in discussions about what our next episode is going to be, but we'll announce that on Twitter as soon as we have it and uh, I'll let we you guys might, know. We might have a little brief hiatus next week since uh, Thanksgiving oh, that's a good point. is yes. approaching. So uh, we might do like a very short hello episode, uh, maybe a discussion of how things are going. But um, that's right. We are taking next week off for the most part because of the holidays and we'll be very busy over those. But yeah, yeah. we'll be resuming again. Let's see here. It looks like on the 4th of November. So you can you can look for another. Oh, sorry. December. Now we're going back in time. Uh, the 4th of December. So you can look for another full <laughs> episode then. Uh, yeah, that should be it. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our first set review. If you have any thoughts, please let us know if you want us to do anything differently or anything you liked about the set review. And, uh, we're going to play you out now with, uh, Let the Hunt Begin, which is from Andres's, uh, music studio, Mass Eve Music. So check that out at M-A-S-S-E-V-E music.com. Let the Hunt Begin. 